Two days ago, I saw a vehicle that had hauled that tanker. You want to get out of here? You talk to me. minute where i think we can call this chase over now in mad max 2 the road warrior one minute at a time i'm rick and i'm julia and today we're talking about minute 90 the one hour and 30 minute mark which begins with a fade to dirt spilling from open hatches in the tanker and it ends with max and the feral child in the wreckage of the rig happy friday julia oh thank goodness it's friday tgif there's guests it's friday Yes. Don't get mad at me because I've already used that. It's been a long season. I am <laughs> severely running out of material. <laughs> but that's okay, because we're really close to the end of the movie. And today we are joined by Norman and Cassandra from the Lord of the Rings Minute podcast. Hey, guys. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having us on. It's so great to have a team that is covering another set of movies set in the Southern Hemisphere, Australia, New Zealand area. Right? Well, technically, it's Middle Earth, but yeah, I suppose. <laughs> we can suspend our belief long enough to say that it's Middle Earth, but we all know it's New Zealand. Oh, yeah. New Zealand definitely wants you to think that Middle Earth is New Zealand. They've marketed it hardly enough. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you guys are the hosts of the Lord of the Rings Minute Podcast, and you have been going through the Lord of the Rings original peter jackson trilogy but it's not just the normal movies right right we're doing the extended edition because we have no life and like to talk about lord of the rings so <laughs> that's quite the project to undertake yes. because the extended editions let's see the first one was how long well for the first one we didn't do the credits minute by minute but we had 205 episodes by the time we were done with that and that's the shortest one that is more than double the length of our first movie. Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. I think you may have put out more episodes with your one movie than we have with our two movies. Yeah. My goodness. That, that we've very nearly completed. That is very easy to say. Yeah. <laughs> that is quite the undertaking. Several movie by minute podcasts started I've after got, like, we come did. And, gone since and we... finished before we <laughs> <Yeah>. did. <laughs> So with this being such a large undertaking, you must have a real love for that world and those stories. Yes. And I was actually really worried when we started that I would damper that, but it's really only enhanced it, which is like a good thing. But this week we started Two Towers and I had never seen the theatrical of Two Towers. So like the Two Towers extended was like the way that I have experienced that movie. And when I was blocking it out for scheduling, we started on the 1st, and just the movie bits will take us till the middle of November of this year. Ooh. Um, <laughs> so it's pretty much like a year-long commitment for it. Hot dang. Yeah, but it's fun. I like it, and I get to meet a bunch of cool people like you guys. Right? Aw, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of you to say. Aww. I adore these movies, and I'm glad that we're talking about my favorite one now, with Two Towers. Mm. Now, if I remember right, you guys are part of the Dueling Genre Network. Yes. yes. Nice. How did you guys get started working with Scott and all of them? I've known Scott since, oh my gosh, 2010, and we've collaborated on stuff before, but I co-host 
the Doctor Who podcast that he's been doing for forever with our other co-host, Nick Jimenez. And when the whole Movies by Minutes thing started up, like the craze, I guess, mm-hmm. Norman made a joke like, oh, you know, we should do Lord of the Rings Minute. And I was like, oh, haha, that's hilarious. And I texted Scott and I was like, look how funny this is. And he's like, no, you guys should actually do it. I will like <laughs> host it on our website. <laughs> so that's kind of how it began. But I've worked with Scott for over five years now. Yeah, and he's a cool dude. So it's Norman's fault then. Yes, it's all his yes, fault. You, you, <laughs> whatever happens because of this, you can blame me. <laughs> I just didn't expect everybody to enable him. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm usually the enabler. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lord of the Rings is one of those series that's as iconic as Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of a no-brainer. It's something that there's a market for. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe someone hadn't already started doing yeah. it. And um, Gary and Victoria claimed Harry Potter, so I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do Lord of the Rings. Because Harry Potter was my first choice. But at the same time, they were working on it, so I was like, oh, they're cool. Okay, yeah, I'll let them have that. <laughs> You're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we did the exact oh, same thing. Oh, my goodness, I forgot. <laughs> great minds, I guess. Right. Yep. Yeah, it's a great series, and they do a phenomenal job mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. And really, having four movies of Mad Max content, I'm very content with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, having to commit to eight movies for them or three gigantic movies <laughs> with you guys, and that's not even talking about if you ever got crazy enough to do the Hobbit trilogy on top of that. Yeah, I don't know about The Hobbit, but we'll see. We'll see where we're at. (laughs) That's still like three, four years away. It's okay. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You're still in the first week of Two Towers. Let's finish Two Towers, (laughs) go through Return of the King, and then let you guys decide. (laughs) I'm just shaking my head over here. (laughs) Now, one of the things that really intimidated us and made us drag our feet with the whole Harry Potter idea is the sheer amount of book material Mm -hmm. that exists for Harry Potter. But for you guys, you not only have the books, but you've got all of the extended tomes and writings of J.R.R. Tolkien. Mm -hmm. How do you guys handle all of that? Because it seems very heavy. Luckily enough, Norman like reads the Silmarillion for fun like a madman <laughs> so he's he's pretty he just shrugged he he's pretty well versed in that and i haven't been able to finish that all the way through so we've been going through bits at a time and kind of like applying that to the greater mythos of lord of the rings but the thing that i like the most about the movies is how accessible it made lord of the rings to the casual moviegoer like we delve deep into our discussions sometimes but like i try and just make it so that if someone has only ever seen the movies once and they want to listen to us, that like it's possible for them to get into it without getting bogged down in all of the book stuff. Yeah, we try not to go too far. It does take a little bit of self-restraint for me to not like name all the random little things that could be named that have proper <laughs> names. Yes. Like Theoden's sword or Elrond's sword, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. Or Aragorn's sword, or <laughs> Boromir's sword. Or... Well, I mean, Aragorn's sword has, like, two names, like right. pre-reforging uh, and post-reforging. It's the and shards all... of Narsil, yeah. and, and then it becomes Anduril. <laughs> so, plus it's, it's just a lot to keep track of. Mm-hmm. I like to keep it as casual as possible without sounding unprofessional, like I don't know what I'm talking about, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm like the cool English professor that like sits on the desk and asks you to call me by my first name and 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and you guys have been able to meet a lot of cool people doing these projects, I'm sure. Well, we still haven't gotten Stephen Colbert yet, so uh, I'm... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's the dream. Holding out hope. But no, everyone, I really love having guests because everyone brings something new to the table. And I love hearing about different people's experiences with these movies because I only know like my own experience and it's really cool. Like we had Zach from Spider-Man Minute who um, hosts Spider-Man Minute with Scott and he works in a costume shop in Hollywood, but he also like designs swords and I had no idea when we had him on. That was definitely a standout um, episode. Yeah, so he, him talking about like sword design for like 45 minutes was really cool. Um, well, we both sat there silently. Yeah. <laughs> just listening, listening to his passion kind of come through. No, it's, I, I love talking to people about stuff that they love. I don't know, I, and I just like learning new things. Mm. Everyone brings something new to the table, and it's really cool. Those Indiana Jones guys were really funny. Yes, yes, I love them too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're pretty great. We've almost completed our collection We've only got Tom and Jerry. We have not gotten Pete, but we did get Christy Porter. He's elusive, that Pete. Uh. <laughs> He's a slippery one, yeah. but we'll get him eventually. I want to complete my collection. There you go. <laughs> get your gold star. <laughs> exactly. Now, one thing I want to get into before we launch into Mad Max, because admittedly, today's minute is pretty light on content, but... One of the things that I've noticed watching Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, is that there are sometimes shots that are very reminiscent of things that I've seen in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Hmm. There's one shot in particular that I actually pulled the clip out of the movie, and I pulled the audio from Fellowship of the Rings, and I threw it in on top. There's one scene where Max is walking up over a ridge uh -huh. and appears with a landscape behind him, and it was very reminiscent of the Fellowship walking over the ridge. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> with the music swelling behind them. And there is another scene later on in The Road Warrior that is before the minute we're talking about today, where Max is being flown back to the compound after his interceptor explodes, and it's just a shot of him with the landscape moving underneath him. Mm -hmm. And it looks very reminiscent of when Frodo is being carried by the eagles away from Mount Doom. Mm. And watching all of this, it kind of makes me wonder, you know, what is Peter Jackson's, you know, watch history when it comes to these things that inspired him? And I'd like to think, I have no confirmation of this, and I have no hard proof, but I would like to think that Peter Jackson drew some inspiration from George Miller. <laughs> it would make sense, especially because they're like neighboring countries. And mm -hmm. I mean, this franchise was like a big deal in the 80s. And Peter Jackson started making movies in the late 80s. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think that's beyond the stretch of imagination. If you guys ever get Peter Jackson on your show. Oh my God, I would die. Make sure to ask him. <laughs> Rick from Mad Max Minute wants to know. Uh <laughs> I mean, you guys are very active on the Facebook group for the Movies by Minutes makers and listeners. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that if you ever did get an appointment with Peter Jackson, you'd be on there in a moment letting everybody know. Oh, yes. <laughs> I would be screaming it from the rooftops. Like, right. what have I done? <laughs> How did this happen? Yeah. How did it come to this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we all have mixed dreams and nightmares about netting that one big guest, mm -hmm. getting the director to sit down with you type of thing. Yeah, complete nightmare. Yeah. I, I don't want that at all. <laughs> yeah. 
we can be pretty critical at times because of our movie being made in a certain era, mm-hmm. a certain time where we, we said some things about our director where it's like, come on, George. <laughs> if he was on our show, oh, it would be nerve wracking, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that the only Mad Max movie, I'm about to out myself, the only Mad Max movie that I've ever seen is Fury Road. I have had no background with these until I saw that movie, and I loved that movie. And I think he did a really good job of telling a story in a universe where women have like very little say and handling it well and like making it an empowering movie so i think he's learned since he Mm -hmm. first made this so i think definitely yeah i think that would be a really interesting conversation hypothetical conversation to have if you're listening george if you're out there (laughs) i would be terrified but let's talk about how you treat women in your movie yeah Yeah. (laughs) i think that's a good transition point for us to swivel over into the minute at hand so we start off minute 90 stopped well up the road from the wreck that took place yesterday there are little bits of the lord humongous's truck scattered all over the road and further on down is the tanker that has rolled over onto its side and it's just sitting there just in shambles (laughs) And probably the most noticeable thing about this shot that we start off with is the fact that all of the raiders in the foreground are very blurry. None of them are in focus. And I think I remember when we were listening to the audio commentary on the Blu-ray where Dean Semler, the cinematographer, was talking about how he didn't notice they were out of focus until they got the dailies back. Oh, no. Okay. Disclaimer that I am a fan of Dean Semler. He has done some beautiful work in this movie. Mm -hmm. What kind of cinematographer are you if you don't (laughs) notice that the camera is out of focus on half of the shot? I think they were just so focused on getting... Well, no, they weren't focused. Okay. Let me me finish, madam. They were so focused on getting the wreckage in focus that the Raiders were just an afterthought. Which really, in this tableau, in this portrait that we're looking at, the Raiders are really not the important part. Right. I was okay with the Raiders being out of focus until you told me that. (laughs) That it was a mistake by the cinematographer that the people weren't in focus. I was okay with that because they're not the focus of the scene. They are viewing it just as we are viewing it. So, of course, our eye is drawn to the crash in the distance. So if that was on purpose, then I'm okay with it. If it was a mistake, then I'm not okay with it. It was a, it was a happy little accident. Bob Ross would be proud. <laughs> exactly. Okay, when you put it that way, I mean, I can't fight Bob Ross. <laughs> He'll just paint me into a happy little cabin. <laughs> I didn't even notice that they were out of focus, which I guess further underscores like our eye is drawn to the wreckage and not the people who are viewing it because there is nothing left of that truck that he ran through (laughs) it's rather distressing how little of that i would say pile of junk still resembles a vehicle none of it looks like it was a car right there's like two little things of flame among some of the stuff on the road did that guy just vaporize yeah he's red (laughs) mist oh no the guy on the hood and the guy in the car oh no oh yeah there are two guys (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've got complete disintegration 
Oh, man. For their sakes, I hope that it was, you know, complete disintegration because that's fast Mm -hmm. and painless. You're just gone in a second. Right. I don't want even Lord Humongous, I don't want him to be on the side of the road maimed and dying painfully (laughs) for an extended period of time. I don't want that. So if he was red mist, then I'm okay. Right. If anyone was going to turn into red mist, it's the guy wearing the leather diaper. (laughs) Here one minute, soup the next. Oh, no. (laughs) You know, I know I've brought it up several times in the past, but it's like when we were watching that first movie and we were talking about solid bodies hitting surfaces and that when it comes to collisions, you don't so much worry about liquids behaving like solids. You worry about solids suddenly behaving like liquids because they cannot keep themselves together. And I think that's exactly what Humongous um, had happened to him. He Uh he became a liquid, a humongous pudding. Yes. You can't get over the name, can you? No. No. (laughs) I keep giggling. Lord Humongous. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a little on the nose. It sounds like yeah. a, a children's TV character. Like, it's like a Saturday morning cartoon yeah, villain. like a mustache twirly, <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> I don't get mustache twirly out of Humongous. I I get, like, cartoon strongman that happens to be evil. Yeah, with a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not twirling it. He's too busy lifting weights. That's, that's part of being evil, is twirling yeah, your mustache. you have to have that on the resume. Oh, I see. <laughs> You have to have taken so many credits and mustache twirling yes. at the Evil Academy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, the Mad Max series came out a little too early in the 80s to reach that point where R-rated action movies were turned around and marketed to children. Mm. I'm thinking specifically of like RoboCop. Yeah. About how that was such a bloody and violent movie, and yet there was at least one Saturday morning cartoon about it. Uh, and and there the were toys. copious amounts of toys. Yeah, toys. I had a Robocop now, action figure. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't He-Man dressed very similarly to the Lord Humongous? He is. Like with the straps yeah, his... and stuff. So you could and take a He-Man doll <laughs> and repaint it mm-hmm. to be a Humongous doll. Oh, absolutely. That's interesting. He-Man, his briefs were a bit more furry. (laughs) So he's wearing a tiger skin diaper instead of a leather diaper. Yeah. Yeah. And he definitely Hmm. had more and, some would say, more luxurious hair. (laughs) Which, honestly, is not really saying much when I think about it. (laughs) I just, Lord Humongous's design has just always been so funny to me. It's just, mm-hmm. what, he's wearing a Jason Voorhees hockey mask and leather undies and not much else. <laughs> right. It's just, why? Yeah, sometimes he wears a fur vest. Oh my goodness. Because he's posh among us. <laughs> well, and it was also like 40 degrees out when they were shooting this. <laughs> yeah. Fahrenheit. <laughs> and like, all the other Raiders are wearing like full armor and bandanas and everything else and mm-hmm. among us is just like no nah, i'm gonna be shirtless today and pantsless i hope that doesn't bother anyone <laughs> that's one way to exert dominance that is wear less sure. clothes than everybody else around you yep interesting so if i want to get ahead at work i just take my clothes off that is not the official stance of the mad max mini podcast <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> I'm Rick, just saying, I think that if you took your clothes off at work, you would get a promotion from the state of Massachusetts. I do not believe that. 
I, however, believe that if I started wearing a metal hockey mask to work, people would leave me alone. I think they'd respect <laughs> you a little more. <laughs> fear. Fear is the word you're looking for. Yeah. And that's just as good, really. Mm. People would walk into my office, take one look at me, and then just turn right around. <laughs> just wear the mask when you don't want to be bothered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's probably more effective than keeping my door closed because they still come up and knock <laughs> you just need a button on your desk that makes an intercom say just walk away <laughs> oh that's brilliant <laughs> oh my gosh corporate mad max mm -hmm. where's that remake I don't, that adaptation? I, don't, I don't want that <laughs> you don't want to see humongous wearing a tie with just his leather strapping and a tie. I bet it, then tie. it strays into like Chippendale's territory, and I don't know if I'm it comfortable does. with that. <laughs> Although that giant collar he wears is the perfect mounting point for like a clip-on tie. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think he's a bow tie kind of guy. Like a sequined bow tie? <laughs> yes. Except during the holidays. Then he wears a really big exaggerated tie. <laughs> <laughs> like a Christmas tree shaped tie with the lights on it. I've seen those. They're real. Right. <laughs> And he's got the real estate for it. He's got plenty of display space. Mm-hmm. Oh, but how awful would that be? You're sitting in your cubicle, you're trying to work on a report, and then Humongous walks up and he just leans over the top of the cubicle because he's like seven feet tall. He's like, I'm gravely disappointed. The report was late. It's like office space. Nobody is leaving work on time. <laughs> He's just always demanding TPS reports. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to need you to stay late on Friday. Yep. His office is up on a hill overlooking the cube farm, and he just stands up there with fires on either side, gesticulating wildly about how everybody needs to work harder. <laughs> Perfect. It's beautiful. Oh, that's amazing. Say, we've imagined Humongous in so many different <laughs> settings. We have. Have we done Office before? No, no, this is a first. Oh my goodness. I think one of my favorite was putting him in the place of Voldemort <laughs> in the Battle of Hogwarts. Oh, yes. I'm not yes. sure if Humongous would necessarily work in Lord of the Rings because he is, at his very core, a human. So he would, of course, need to side with the forces of men. No. But I definitely feel like when you look at the Urukai. There's at least a couple that dress similarly to Humongous. You just put him in the place of the Witch King and you're done. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Humongous, with his weird eyes and very limited visibility, he could really use an eye up there, <laughs> elevated, watching out for him. Step away from the ring. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh. If anybody needs an eye, it's Humongous. Can you imagine the Battle of Minas Tirith, Gandalf and... Mer is it Merry or Pippin that is riding up the walls? I don't think it matters. One of the <laughs> hobbits. They're interchangeable. Oh. <laughs> Controversial statement of the episode. I think it'd be Pippin if he was with Gandalf. Yeah. Pippin spends like the whole third movie with Gandalf. Yeah. So they're running up the walls of Minas Tirith and then the giant winged beast comes and lands on the hill and instead of the witch king hopping down, out hops the humongous and he's just this giant mostly naked dude with a he wouldn't even need the sword. He just come out there with that pointy three-headed spear of his. And... <laughs> yeah, the trident mounted to a femur. What's Gandalf going to do against that? <laughs> I mean, a lot. Let's face it. Plenty. <laughs> Gandalf is a Debbie god. <laughs> yes, quite literally. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Just the pullback from Eowyn, but it's just Humongous holding the flail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, you gotta be really confident in your combat abilities to go into battle wearing what Humongous right? wears. Like or or like... really stupid. <laughs> There is no in-between. It is either mm-hmm. incredibly confident and brave or incredibly foolish. Yep. But you definitely think that Humongous would be on the side of Lord Sauron. Although a surprising addition to Sauron's ranks is Bruce Spence, who plays... Is it the Mouth of Sauron or is it like Sauron's Herald? Do you guys know off the top of your head? The speaker is called the Mouth of, yeah, Sauron. Mouth of Sauron. There you go. The guy with the oversized mouth in the extended edition that like has awful teeth and Frodo's coat. And he has like no eyes mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yep. That's our boy, the gyro captain. All right. <laughs> oh, really? That's the, that's oh, yeah. the guy that crashes that. earlier this week. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's him. <laughs> nice. You know, it's a real shame that that's how you saw the gyro captain is that Goofy, horrible crash. Because he is so much better than that. I promise. He is so much better than that. <laughs> I loved it. I loved every second of that. Is that the one with the lacrosse mask? <laughs> no, the, no. The, guy, the gyro captain is the guy in the sky. Oh. Oh. Okay. That was my favorite part. Oh. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. The gyro captain is a much maligned character because he's got these horrible teeth. And he comes across as creepy sometimes. Mm -hmm. But once you get to know him, he's a really good guy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So this crash. Yes. (laughs) Yes, this crash. It took way too long. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) (laughs) So the raiders up on the ridge looking out over the display in front of them. From their point of view... Shouldn't they be expecting an explosion? Probably. If the tanker was actually full of fuel, shouldn't that crash have caused an explosion? It's funny you say that because we were watching this and it crashes and I was 100% expecting it to explode. And I was like, aww. Oh. I was like really disappointed. <laughs> so I guess I'm disappointed along with all the raiders. <laughs> However, if it exploded, yes. there'd be no Fury Road. Yeah. They just retcon it. Whatever. They just retcon it. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the reveal of all the red dirt just spilling out from the top hatches of the tanker was a bit of a surprise to you guys. I think it was, but I think, like, they telegraphed it, too. Like, I was expecting water, and then it was dirt, and I was like, ah, okay, that's cool. Sometimes I wish I could go back and watch this movie for the first time. Mm -hmm. Because I've seen this movie, like, my entire life. The knowledge that it was a decoy has just always been in my life. Mm. I can never remember seeing this movie and being... (gasps) It was full of sand the whole time. (laughs) I would love to feel that again. Mm -hmm. It's like watching The Empire Strikes Back and just knowing already the big twist at the end. Right. (laughs) Yeah, same thing. I've just always known. I don't remember seeing it for the first time and being shocked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like I've never actually seen The Sixth Sense, but I can tell you down to a T exactly how Bruce Willis is not alive. Okay, that's a perfect example because I do remember the first time I saw that movie. And I do remember it dawning on me what was going on Mm -hmm. and like the surprise that I felt from that. The Sixth Sense is a really cleverly put together movie. It is. I remember the first time I saw it. It was when it first came out on DVD. I didn't see it in theaters. And I remember kind of being blown away by that movie as a kid. I have never seen that. So now I know like the twist or whatever. But Uh, How did you not before now? The twist is known to the point of memory. Right. No, it's just like so <laughs> embedded in pop culture that like, oh, I see dead people. It's just like, everyone knows what that is. I doubt 
they know where it comes from. Like half the people, especially the 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 youth. The youth. <laughs> <laughs> the youths. <laughs> Those dang kids these days. They need to get off my lawn. Right. <laughs> these raiders. They're standing up on the hill. And they're looking over at this rig. And one thing that I noticed about it is that the rig, when it went off the road, it rolled to the left. And so the top of the tanker is facing away from the road. The raiders, standing on the ridge they are, are on the opposite side of the tanker of where all that dirt is spilling out of the top. The only thing they can see is the tiny little spout at the bottom of the tanker. Which is really far away. I don't think they can see it. Yeah. So they are just standing here looking. They're not even getting the full effect of how much of a troop of losers they are. They don't even realize how much they've been duped. They just see the thing turned over. They don't realize that it was just full of dirt the entire time. Mm -hmm. So why didn't they go down to the tanker? And investigate? They probably don't smell any gas. Oh, that's true. So you think they used clues, like they didn't smell any gas, the tanker didn't explode, to just go, oh, I guess it wasn't full of gas after all. Let's go back and do something else. Yeah, you would think if they really had the intent of getting gasoline, they would have gone down to that vehicle and tried to salvage what they believed was there. Right. Because even the tanks of the rig itself would have gasoline in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That kind of wreck, the actual gas tank of the rig would pretty much be gone by the time you get to it would it the gas would all be emptied oh oh because it like spilled like the ruptures are so bad yeah you're right you're right also the humongous is dead and maybe they just don't want to go anywhere near it because it's cursed or like (laughs) (laughs) maybe they're afraid the humongous is not dead and just angry he'll just yell it like pop up from under the ground and be like ah like yell it and kill them oh no i just like oh let's just ignore that yeah if he is on the side of the road you know dying and angry and they go down there they're gonna feel his wrath and i don't think they really care that much about him do you think that just because the boss is dead they're like well this was a lost venture and then that's why they just turn around and leave (laughs) i guess so i think this guy with the red headband has some ambitions (laughs) (laughs) i love his stupid shoulder pads the one in the foreground Mm -hmm. oh yeah good old red beard there (laughs) i think this guy he's going places And here we also get a really good look at the stupid sunglasses that the snake truck guys are wearing. We commented on them, oh, like 20 minutes ago. So like three weeks ago, (laughs) we saw them and we got a really good look at them again. They're like 80s music video sunglasses. Oh, yeah. They're like Jordi LaForge's visor. How do you even see out of that? (laughs) These guys should either be playing synth keyboard for a 80s cover band or... Manning the engineering deck of the, what is it, the... Enterprise? <laughs> well, it's the NCC 1701D. Is that oh, what it is? Yes. Oh, I see. It is. You're, you're, full, you're you pulling out your specific. full nerd credentials instead of... <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, if we're going to go into nerd credentials, I have a confession. My license plate cover says my other car is the... NCC 1701D. Nice. Mine says yes. my other car is the TARDIS, so I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would expect nothing less from one of the co-hosts of the Doctor's Companion. Why does this guy have a bow? Is that really any good? Why doesn't he? Why? Is that really any use here? 
He's uh, Mad Max's Legolas. <laughs> he was the Humongous' Legolas. Legolas. Oh. If there was one character that would have really excelled in this movie, it would have been Legolas because there were so many opportunities where the entire story would have been either A, critically altered, or B, finished because everything would have been solved by just one well-placed arrow. <laughs> oh, many times. There were many opportunities on both sides of the fence for one well-placed arrow to end this entire movie. Mm -hmm. Then this headband guy's just slacking. He's just not good at his job. <laughs> yeah, and it infuriates me that nobody ever takes that shot. So many wasted opportunities. Especially when they all have guns. Like, why didn't someone just try to solve this movie sooner? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the great thing about this movie specifically is that George Miller didn't have the bullet farm or whatever Barter Town has. And so a lot of people, a lot of the raiders in this movie only had bows and bladed weapons. They would have fit right into the Lord of the Rings universe with their yes. level of technology and weapons. Yep. There are only two guns in this movie. Mad Max's shotgun, which... Half the time it's not loaded. Yeah, half the time it's not loaded or has bad shells in it. And the Lord Humongous has a forty-four caliber, you know, revolver. I want to say it's a Smith and Wesson. A Smith and Wesson, but it's a forty-four, right? Yeah. Big. Yeah. Big. It's a dirty, hairy gun. Yeah, but he only has six bullets, and he actually only uses five. Yeah, he kind of wastes them. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Well, he's dead now, so whatever. <laughs> so. <laughs> Because it doesn't really matter Maybe anymore. Maybe these mm -hmm. raiders have been counting bullets the whole time, and that's what they're afraid of. If they go down there, Humongous is oh, going to use... Oh, he's got one last. He's going he's gonna to use that last yes. bullet on one of them. Right. I mean, we here at the Mad Max Minute count bullets very carefully. And we know when there's one left versus when there's two extra mm -hmm. that just pop out of nowhere. <laughs> yep. This guy in the foreground with the red headband is just like... He looks so devastated, but also relieved. It's a very interesting <laughs> posture he has. Like, oh, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to deal with this anymore, but I'm really bummed about it. <laughs> this isn't what I wanted. That's an interesting comparison with Fury Road, where the war boys are so devoted, so devoted mm -hmm. to Immortan Joe. Mm -hmm. And here, I think they're just going along with Humongous because it's what's happening. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay, we got this guy who wants to unite us and make us into a horde so we can burn and rape and pillage larger communities. Well, it, rape, pillage, then burn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the way you listed it out, it, it... Because nobody wants to rape a burned body? Oh my goodness. Well, I would hope not. And there's nothing left That's to pillage dark. after the fire. Yes. <laughs> burn last. Sorry. I'm sorry, hon. I just... There's been too many little comic strips written around that exact joke. <laughs> okay. Burn last. It's very important. Mm. Ready, aim, fire so, needs to be in that order. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that stands out to me about this tanker is that no one's going to come along and move that thing. It's going to be sitting out there for a very long time, and I imagine that there are going to be just so many wastelanders traveling along that road, seeing that wreck and thinking, oh my gosh, it's an entire tanker, and then they're going to get closer and they're going to be disappointed. So this is just the landmark of continual disappointment <laughs> oh it's like a metaphor for my life well no that's all it's all usable <laughs> metal that's all gonna get scrapped within yeah weeks. that's true yeah probably it occurs to me that that's how we found the rig originally it was just by the side of the road having been set upon by probably raiders probably the same group of raiders with the driver still dead in the driver's seat mm-hmm 
And once again, yeah, it was very gross. Once again, this poor rig is just sitting on the side of the road, disabled. Oh no. And that's just, it's fate. He, it cannot escape its fate. This poor truck. You know what that makes me think of? Yeah. You know how you can go into some cities and they have bikes that you can pull off the rack, ride them around the city, and then you put it back in the rack and, you know, you've just done a day of rental. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the rig. <laughs> the rig was sitting on the side of the road. And yeah, it needed gasoline. But Max came, he took it, he used it for a while, and then instead of leaving it on the side of the road for the next person to use, he wrecked it after driving it through another vehicle. And that's like someone using, I think they're called zip bikes, but like using a zip bike and then slashing the tires and bending the rims and throwing it in the gutter. (laughs) Very inconsiderate. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And he didn't even use his own credit card to rent the bike. No manners to speak of. (laughs) Nope. He used Papagallo's credit card. (laughs) And he almost got a child killed. (laughs) I want to know if he got that last bullet. <laughs> Did he get it back? Right? They were just screaming at each other. I mean, I know we're straying, like, previous w- minutes, but, like, what happened? <laughs> get, get the shell. Right. Get the shell. <laughs> Wes was able to take the gun from the feral child, but was the feral child able to at least get the shell? Yeah. That was, like, the whole emotional... I mean, I haven't seen this movie, so, like, that was, like, the whole emotional conflict for me. Like, oh, my God, is the weird ch- like, biting uh-huh. child gonna get the bullet? <laughs> yes and i don't know a lot of eight-year-olds so my experience is very limited but it strikes me that an eight-year-old once he's got his hands on something that he doesn't want to give up he's not gonna give mm-hmm. it up mm-hmm. you're gonna have to fight that child to get that shell away from him <laughs> so my money's on the feral child having a that shell in his hand <laughs> and he, he is ready to his, fight he just opens his hand next minute and it's just like the shotgun shell and max is like no <laughs> max is like too little too late buddy yeah. <laughs> thanks for doing what i asked but damn it <laughs> but why did he take the gun out on the hood with him at all he was probably gonna also tell the kid to load the gun <laughs> get oh, the shell i have my doubts about that child put it in the gun shoot the guy on the hood <laughs> i'm giving this feral child far more complicated instructions than he's ready for yeah. Yeah. The nice thing about this situation is that even though Wes was able to get the gun, the gun is still relatively close to this wreck because as we get a fade to the front of the wreckage and we're kind of panning along the wreckage over to where the cab is, you can see Wes's arm sticking out from underneath the collapsed cowcatcher and he's still got that shotgun gripped in his hand. So if Max wants to get it back, all he has to do is go over there and Charlton Heston Wes and pull the <laughs> gun out of his cold dead right. hands. That's very reminiscent to me of The Wizard of Oz. Like the the oh, house no. has landed on Wes and this precious item, this gun, the ruby slippers, are there for the taking. Not the first time in this movie that I feel Wizard of Oz has been referenced. Mm-hmm. Well, they are in Australia, so that makes sense. Not in Kansas anymore. Very true. <laughs> Everything's backwards. Uh-huh. When you flush the toilet, the water goes backwards. Oh my god. I don't yeah. know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> As we go along, we see that the cowcatcher has fallen off. The front of the truck is all bent forward, all weird, because it just drove through another vehicle. And as we go to the cab, we now notice there is no glass. All the windows are completely smashed because there's never a window that a raider has met that they did not want to smash. <laughs> and now they've completely gotten all of the glass they out. They just really have something against windows. Man, they really they get do. They in the way of my it's bullets. distressing. They get in the way of my knives. 
I hate glass. But at least Max and the feral child are more or less okay. <laughs> like, they're not tip-top shape, but they're more alive than the Humongous and Wes. Mm-hmm. There's definitely movement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is miraculous. Not from the feral child. Feral child looks pretty well unconscious. Yeah. yeah, he does. And lucky for the feral child that he landed on Max. Yeah. Right? Do you get the sense that during the crash, because neither of them were wearing a seatbelt because it was the 80s. <laughs> and no one wanted to wear a seatbelt. But do you get the sense that as they were crashing, Max covered the feral child, like grabbed him in his arms to keep him safe? Just those parental instincts kicking in that he's been denying for the last however long it's been since the world collapsed? That he's been denying forever. <laughs> he never displayed parental instincts with Sprog. He wasn't that bad. You always, you always downplay him. He let his child play with his service revolver. You don't know that it was loaded. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Man, he has a really bad track record with letting children play with guns, apparently. Yes! <laughs> Go ahead, yes, little Johnny. That's what play I'm with saying. the gun. <laughs> You've got to teach children in an early age to have a healthy respect for firearms. By keeping them locked up and telling them to wear a seatbelt. This is what I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a reason this child is feral. And it might... And it might have something to do with a gun. Oh, no. Let's <laughs> say, so thank goodness that Max doesn't opt to keep the feral child around. He gives that kid up to more responsible parties as soon as he can. That's good. But even so, I feel like Max made an effort to protect the child during the crash. Because when we see them, the feral child is literally sitting on top of Max's chest. Yeah. It does lead you to think that he was holding on to the feral child, protecting Mm -hmm. him from being thrown around in the cab. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, I jest about Max and, you know, being a father figure to children. But throughout these movies, we learn quite well that Max loves children. And he goes out of his way, even when he doesn't want to, he goes out of his way to protect them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I joke, but he really does love children. <laughs> I mean, I love animals, but you don't see us having a ton of pets. So I think it's like that. <laughs> I'll take your pets. Like you, can, like you can love dogs, but not own like 17 dogs. Right. That's the dream. Because <laughs> <laughs> stability and security to own a half like a dozen or more dogs. pets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cassandra, do you watch 101 Dalmatians and just swoon? I actually do not. And I have a lot of feelings about that movie. <laughs> Especially the live action one because it's just really irresponsible. But that is neither here nor there. I will say one thing about the live action movie, the one with Glenn Close. At the end of that movie, the lady and the husband, they have this gigantic manor house with a ton of room. And like, weren't they living in an apartment with like no space? Yeah, I don't I don't remember how they get into like a bunch of money. But yeah, they sue Corolla DeVille probably. Oh, I think it was a jingle. Oh, yeah. Doesn't what's his face? The guy. I can't remember any of their names. Yeah, it's been a long time. (laughs) Uh, Doesn't he write a jingle and sell it? Oh, yeah. That's a lot of money for a jingle. I don't know. Maybe England is different. Well, this is back in the day when houses cost $5,000. Right. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Instead of, you know, 250, 550, million and a half, you know. (laughs) It takes place in England, right? Yeah. 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 I think in the live action You own the copyright forever. They have to pay you licenses for it forever. That's true. That's the way English copyright (laughs) law works. I think in the live action one, he's working on a video game, and then he sells the video game. And that makes a lot more sense, because video games are more uh, profitable. profitable. (laughs) And also, you know, if they were smart, 
they would have sued Corella Deville for I don't know something, you know, emotional damages right. Right. or something because <laughs> breaking yeah, into my this house, was all her fault. <laughs> breaking and entering, <laughs> yeah. attempted theft of property because pets are property. Yeah. Yes. So maybe they got all her money. I hope so. Any injuries caused through them <laughs> evading her? She's responsible for. I'm sure she could be charged with evading the police. Spay and neuter your pets, my friends. <laughs> we love dogs, but not a hundred. No, whatever. No. Right. All at the same time. If Dame gets there, they need to calculate what crimes Corel Deville can be charged with throughout oh the course my goodness. of the movie. <laughs> yeah. If anyone's ever crazy enough to do 101 Dalmatians minute, we'll let them worry about the logistics of that situation. <laughs> If anybody does 101 Dalmatians Minute, they need to divide the movie not by minutes, but into 101 parts. I don't even know if that movie's that long. That'd be like... I don't think it is. Like <laughs> five second chunks. <laughs> yeah. It's feature length, which doesn't mean a whole lot. I wish we divided Lord of the Rings into 101 parts. We'd have 100 <laughs> less episodes. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just go the two minute Terminator route. I don't know. It's kind of cool how much stuff... A filmmaker can fit into a minute. Mm -hmm. Whereas this one didn't even feel like a minute. It felt like 30 seconds. I was like, yeah. oh, it's just silence and people <laughs> looking off into the distance. Disappointed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something George Miller's really mm -hmm. good at. The, the guy with the 80s music video sunglasses that looks like he belongs in Devo um, <laughs> doesn't look disappointed at all. He's just kind of there. He's just like, He's well, like, are we going home yet? Yeah. Rev up your car. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which say... arguably that guy with the Devo sunglasses, he is MVP of this entire thing. Oh, yeah. That red snake truck did more for the effort that the Horde was making against the tanker than literally any other vehicle in this attack. And survived. Yeah. So if we're handing out trophies, <laughs> they definitely get one. Absolutely. That guy up. I was actually <laughs> happy to see that they survived. There was a few close calls bumping into the tanker and stuff like that. So I was very happy to see that they survived. Yeah, they're going to have to go to a bump and grind shop to get some of those uh, dents knocked out. I'm not sure there is a bump and grind <laughs> shop, although there is that tent with the tent lovers. That might be a good bump and grind shop. That is an unfortunate phrase. <laughs> <laughs> and yet so perfect. <laughs> I think the last thing we see in this minute is Max trying to shift, to get into a position where he can get up, and he's reaching down over to his leg brace and pulling on it so that it'll actually bend, because it probably got a little bent or maybe seized up a bit and all the thrashing around that they were doing. And it would just be very unfortunate for him if he were to bust that leg brace, because you know those aren't really something that you come by every day. Well, I expect he made it for himself the first time, and has probably had to repair it mm -hmm. several times since, which would be poor timing right now. He's got other things he needs to worry about right now than repairing his leg brace. Right, like he doesn't know if those raiders are just going to come down over the hill and put one in his brain. Right. Mm -hmm. It's really lucky for him that they don't. That they're just like, oh, well, he's that's probably anticlimactic. Good. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think that brings us to the end of the minute itself. I think but so. uh, you guys had a chance to see the minutes leading up to this, so I think it's a good opportunity for us to bounce back and talk about that. We started this week with Papagallo informing all of us, watchers and active movie character participants aside, that the fight was over and that they'd won. And then, of course, not even two seconds later, Humongous throws a spear into Papagallo's back and just ends him. <laughs> A comically large spear. Oh, yeah. Oh, I cannot get over this thing. It looks like an axe head. 
but like pointier, it's something else. <laughs> it's like a big fork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it one of my favorite parts of this movie is that the handle is a femur. Is yeah. it really? It is. It is. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just not convinced that the speed at which it moves would have impaled itself into him so thoroughly. What's really impressive is the fact that he threw it over such a great distance. They were both moving at highway speeds. Papagallo was mostly obscured by the back of the vehicle he was driving. It's literally a million to one shot. You could almost swear that the only way he was able to kill Papagallo was by clever editing. Yeah, pa- yeah. <laughs> Papagallo had to stand up to get hit in the back by that spear. <laughs> I love how the kid also just doesn't want to listen to him whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he has no intention of going with him. I'm busy biting this guy's hand. Go away, old man. <laughs> Yeah, and the kid biting this guy's hand does more good for the overall cause than Papagallo does. He Mm -hmm. does absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah. Except give attitude to Max. Yeah, when he rolls up on Max and he does that little hand raise thing, and I'm like, who do you think you are? (laughs) Like, he disappeared for a good eight minutes of the movie's runtime, and then he comes back and he's giving Max guff because everybody else on the tanker is dead. It's like, come on, dude. You led away, like, seven different raiders, and when you came back, you still had seven raiders following you. So, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And he just brought him back. That would be like Gandalf going away and coming back on the morning of the third day and just being by himself. Like, oh, hey, guys, you don't have this under control? Oh, I'm very disappointed. Like, shut up, Gandalf. You were supposed to find the Rohirrim. <laughs> he leaves with Urukai at his back. He returns with more Urukai. <laughs> well, it's, like Ar- exactly. it's like if Arwen had just led the Nazgul, you know, right to Frodo. Yeah. <laughs> right into Rivendell. Like if she didn't everything. stop them at the river. <laughs> <laughs> like she arrives at Rivendell and the ringwraiths are still chasing right? her. She's like, oh no, this is not what I planned at all. <laughs> you can deal with this, right, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Elrond would be very capable, but... Yeah, capable of an epic eye roll like Max does. (laughs) (laughs) Like the wide-eyed glare he gives Gandalf when he suggests trusting men. What? Mm. He just like whips his head around like, excuse me, what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love Elrond. He's like the king of sass. I know. He's just the king of sass and telling people what they have to do and just being like, this is not my place. You do it. This is for you. One of you must do this. <laughs> I'm not asking for volunteers. I'm telling. I'm suggesting. <laughs> In the strongest possible terms. Yeah. Elrond may not be as fabulous as Thranduil, but we don't get Thranduil until the Hobbit prequels, so. I know. I'm so disappointed. That was like one of my favorite parts of those Hobbit movies. <laughs> We found an edit of the Hobbit movies that condensed them all into one movie. And it was a long movie. Mm-hmm. But, oh, it was so much more satisfying than sitting through all three of them. God bless that person. <laughs> like the Phantom edit? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Nice. I gotta track that down. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was so good that I forgot that it was a fan-made thing. So when I saw clips from, like, the second Hobbit movie, I'm like, that wasn't in the movie. What are they talking about? <laughs> I had no idea that it was actually so insanely long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. a bit of a soaring epic. Mm. Speaking of soaring. Oh, my favorite character. <laughs> on Tuesday, we saw the gyro captain start being effective again. He came in, firebombed the Humongous before Humongous could throw a spear at Max, which was 
probably one of the best things. Humongous is riding high and the gyro captain just comes in, whoopsie, just drops a firebomb on him and then gives him the old, uh, what's it called? It's got a specific name. It's French. The, oh, your the arms gesture that he makes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's just another way of flipping the bird. <laughs> yeah. It's called the bras d'honneur. Ah. Which is French for arm of honor. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Perfect. And of course, like all victories in this movie, it's short-lived because as he flies back around the snake truck, like we said, MVPs of this movie, they shoot up at his gyrocopter and somehow, maybe the arrows are magic, I don't know, but he does this prolonged crash that takes four different shots over, feels like eight to 12 minutes. <laughs> so those shots are not different. They are the same shots. Yeah. <laughs> and he he hits that ground like a sack of potatoes, which is not how it would actually crash, given the nature of the gyrocopter in reality. But, you know, we make some allowances for it being a movie. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I don't think I'm willing to make allowances for that crash. Yeah. It was pretty it's bad. It's hilarious. I love it. It's a, just, <laughs> he looks like a cat that accidentally fell in the bath. <laughs> Like yeah. the close-ups and his like crazy eyes. He's just like, oh no, no, no. He's got the cigar hanging out yeah. of his mouth. I've made a mistake. Yeah. yeah. If that gyrocopter was powered by frenzied flailing, <laughs> he would have stayed aloft for hours. Oh my goodness. So with Papagallo dead and the gyro captain disabled, Max made the interesting tactical choice of turning the rig around and traveling back the way he came. Yeah, I don't really know what to say about that. Yeah. It's more fun this way. We were kind of perplexed by it, too. <laughs> and the, the feral child's just hammering on some guy's hand with the butt of Max's gun. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Who are you, small feral child? You know, I think him turning around would have worked if he wasn't driving a giant Mack truck. Uh, right. If he was driving, like, a smart car, I think that would have worked. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, Or, like, no, a Corvette. As someone who drives a smart car, nothing attempted in a smart car ever works. Oh. <laughs> Maybe not a smart car, but like something that doesn't have a APs. trailer like that. Yeah, the turning radius of a Mack truck, where <laughs> <laughs> you have to make like a eighteen point turn or something. Just like, <laughs> mm -hmm. no kidding. Yeah, he would have rolled the truck trying to pull that maneuver mm. at full speed. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. After Max gets the truck turned around, he sends the feral child out onto the hood to retrieve the shotgun shell, and it's in this moment that we get the amazing sequence of the feral child out on the hood, the humongous rushing towards them, and he's got his nose blazing, and then everything goes quiet as the feral child nears that shotgun <laughs> shell, and then Wes re-enters the picture, and the screaming commences. <laughs> oh, man. I love all three of their faces in that shot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think this might be one of the best shots of the movie. It's just epic screaming oh yeah it just goes on and on and on it's so wonderful <laughs> also just the blocking of this as the truck starts to go over mm -hmm. max totally threw himself to the door so that the feral child didn't go out it mm. now have you guys ever heard of the blog where they take clips from movies and television and they add celine dion's my heart will go on no oh, but that sounds goodness. incredible i think it's a blog called it goes with everything <laughs> But when I was watching yesterday's minute, minute 89, and the truck 
hits Humongous and goes over. <laughs> I said, you know what this would be perfect with? This would be perfect with My Heart Will Go On. And so I put a video together and I released it weeks mm-hmm. ago. Like I made it and I was like, I need to release this to the world right now. <laughs> And basically all I did is I just picked where the music started Mm -hmm. and I just let it run. And I didn't touch a single frame of that video footage and it lined up so dang perfectly. That's so funny. I put it on the Mad Max Minutes YouTube page under the title, My Max Will Go On. (laughs) You should submit it to that blog because that's so funny. It's disturbingly perfect. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to have to watch that. I absolutely love silly little youtube videos like that (laughs) you know i'll spend hours watching vines yes i know (laughs) (laughs) it's one of those things where it really does work with every movie (laughs) you're always going to have those moments where things just are quiet they swell and then you just get that boom now we're gonna have to find the my heart will go on minute in two towers Right? I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. It goes with everything meme that I am most aware of is Guile's theme from Street Fighter goes with everything. Oh, yeah. Which is strangely true. Hmm. Any sort of anything. It goes with everything. It really does. It's just weird. (laughs) So I think what I'll have to do is I'll have to try and track down that blog and then post a link onto the Mad Max Minute Beyond microphone page so that people can check that out. Nice. Yeah. Because it is... Golden. That's a perfect like fan page name. Mm-hmm. Beyond microphone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. we're pretty proud of it. Yeah, and we're pretty excited to uh, finally be getting to Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Although that's not going to be coming until pull up my April calendar. 9th. Is it? Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. It is now because I said so. You guys don't take much of a break at all uh, on air. It is April, truly April 9th. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are absolutely right. I should never have doubted you. <laughs> Take notes, Norman. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) As for Lord of the Rings, the two towers you guys, as you said, started this past Monday. Yeah. You released your minute five of the two towers today. Yes. And you guys are going to be releasing Monday through Friday all the way through, I think you said, till November? Uh, Yes, middle of November, if I remember the spreadsheet correctly. Oh, you guys are going to have your show running for three solid months. And then our show is going to start and our show is going to end and your show is just going to keep on going for <laughs> yeah. um, at least another, let's see, one, two months afterwards. Sounds <laughs> about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Our process is going to be five months longer than yours. That for the math next checks out. <laughs> yes. Yep. That's almost long enough to do another movie, guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I'll tell you one thing. Our movie's going to have a whole lot more saxophone. <laughs> Isn't Tina Turner in that movie? Yeah, she is. What? You can say that again. <laughs> yep. Oh, did you not know that? <laughs> no. Oh, man. I can see the outfit in my mind. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, Beyond Thunderdome. It's a special movie. <laughs> it is. It is a special movie. And I hadn't seen it for a very long time since I was a child, where I watched it a lot on TV. and Because it was on all the time. <laughs> was on all the time then i watched it again and as as an adult i'm like oh this movie is crazy town banana pants (laughs) oh yeah julia forgot about all the stuff that actually happened beyond thunderdome she just thought it was thunderdome yeah all i remembered was like the barter town stuff Mm -hmm. i didn't remember the whole kids thing gwen stefani would sum up that movie very well Uh ha 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 yes (laughs) Mm mm-hmm 
<laughs> I remember seeing it all. It was always on on AMC on like Saturday morning for some reason when I was growing up. It was on constantly, like every weekend. The reason I think that Thunderdome was shown on television so much is because out of the four movies that make up the Mad Max series, it's the only one that's only rated PG-13. Oh. All of the other ones are R. So if you're going to release something as a TV edit, you have to do the least amount of work right. to Thunderdome. Yeah. Plus, it's got Tina Turner. <laughs> I think TV stations also just have a thing for showing the third movie in, like, trilogies all the time. Because our Return of the Jedi was on way more than the other two when I was a kid, too. I don't know if that holds true with Back to the Future, because Back to the Future uh, 2 was on all the freaking Yeah, Back time. to the Future 2 was on a lot. I remember seeing 3 a lot when I was a kid, though, too. Hmm. But I think there's also just, like, this bias towards not showing the first movie in a trilogy. Like, buy it, and then you'll understand. Or... Right. <laughs> The problem with Mad Max, though, is that American movie producers did that. They just forgot about Mad Max and maybe, oh, you'll go buy and spend more money. But everybody just forgot about the original movie. Yeah. It's like, oh, Road Warrior is not the first one. Which just leads to confusion because I always think of this as actually being the first movie. Always. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. A lot of people do. A lot you of people don't <laughs> have never seen the original Mad Max. Which is a real shame. It is. It's and a great movie. I hope that in our first season, we really impressed that on people that they should not be skipping the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, Norman, Cassandra, it has been a lot of fun having you guys. I've been a longtime listener, and I'm so glad that we were able to rope you into our Wasteland project here. <laughs> if people want to connect with you guys and listen to your podcast what is the best way they go about doing that so we are on duelinggenre.com or lord of the rings minute.com whichever is easier for you while you're there check out some of the other stuff that i'm on i co-host doctor's companion like i mentioned before we're on a little bit of a hiatus because we just covered the christmas special where the 12th doctor regenerated and i also write for slash direct slash co-executive produce geek by night our original audio drama and if you want to connect with us on Twitter, we're at LOTR Minute. And we also have a Facebook listener group, Fellowship of the Mic. And it's a lot of fun there. Lots of cool people. It's growing all the time. Lots of good memes. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm still waiting for the Geek by Night theme to be a parody cover of Rush's Fly by Night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting with bated breath, and I've talked to Scott about it. I'm now talking to you about it. The minute you guys have that as your opener, I will start Aww. listening. And I'm that's my hill to die on. I'm waiting for the opener to be changed. Well, our, our composer does really good work. And so much love to Scott Tofty for that one. <laughs> that's a much better it's a much better hill to die on than where Hamongus died, so I think he's all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are going to take a break over this weekend, and we are going to come back on Monday with the continued saga of Max and the feral child in their groggy state after this terrible crash. We're going to find out the final fate of the gyro captain and make a final push to the real end of the movie. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy. 
and presented by Warner Brothers Pictures in association with Village Roadshow Pictures. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. You can follow Mad Max Minute on Twitter at Mad Max Minute, on Facebook at Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone, and at MadMaxMinute.com. And finally, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, click on the support link at the top of the page, and check out our Patreon to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 90 of The Road Warrior. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday.